Hello and welcome to episode 178 of Relics of War. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my fine co-hosts, Brabin and Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Brabin? I'm doing really well. Glad to be here, and I think there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be an upset in this episode. You know, <laughs> talk of legendary rage. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, this is going to be a very bipolar episode because we're full of rage and joy alternatingly, uh, <laughs> So we'll get to that in a few minutes. And how are you doing this evening, afternoon, Spirit? I am super excited to be here because I thought I wouldn't get to do podcasts for a while. And then I was able to do podcasts and I had an emotional crotch punch of a week last week. And I am so excited to be past that. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, sounded, sounded pretty rough. And we wanted to make sure that everybody was chilled out before we did podcast personal life comes first so because you know if we're stressed and we grumble we don't know how that could turn out oh i could guess but uh it'd be dangerous <laughs> it would be it would be a dangerous podcast uh so do we want to uh pull it off like a band-aid and start with the negative first or do we want to wrap yeah. up with the negative let's do it <laughs> negative all right well conveniently it's also chronological order so yeah uh Mike O'Brien has informed everybody that the legendary shortbow is going to be the last one for the foreseeable future and that the team's the legendary development team has been shelved indefinitely to work on other projects um which I mean at this point is probably is is probably pretty old news because we had to sort of put off our podcast so we can still give our opinions yeah we can I think um, probably for the better of the show, we've probably cooled down a little bit, or at least I have. So I'm, you know, not not quite as frothing at the mouth anymore. Um, first, I mean, you know, first reactions, Robin, thoughts. Well, I, I'm I'm mixed on it. I've never built any legendaries or have any had any real desire to make a legendary. I mean, ascended weapons have the same stats. I mean, I think Spirit, you might remember the time in Guild Chat when I realized that. What, Ascendant yeah. and Legendary have the same stats? Why would I ever need to build a Legendary? That's just silly. So, I mean, for personally, it doesn't affect me, but I know, I mean, that's endgame for so many people. I mean, how many people played Guild Wars 2 just waiting for content while they were building their Legendary? It's, it's, it's what people do in this game. And then my biggest my biggest qualm with it is, last I checked, you can still look on the the hot advertisement on their website. You know, their, their expansion advertisement, it says, it advertises... You know, a new set of legendaries as part of the package, something you're paying for. And I really think they need to change that because it's just their marketing department is not talking to their their development department or something. It's 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 not good. Yeah. Spirit? Um, I also have sort of a lot of complex feelings about it. Um, you know, ultimately not good, right? So I don't I don't think there's any way we can can sugarcoat it to say, you know, this is this is okay, you know, like good things are happening. Uh it's not good. Um the mixed feelings for me sort of come from not knowing what to expect with it. Um, obviously, the fact that they didn't live up to their promise, and I, I'm sure we've got a lot to say about that, so we can talk about that later. Um, you know, the the fact that they, they promised a set and we didn't get a full set. We've gotten three, now four, which is a quarter of a set, um, is disheartening and a little bit frustrating, especially if that is your main sort of a lot of people like to make legendaries and a lot of people were waiting for, you know, their, their legendary. So, you know, like Nevermore was mine. That was the legendary that was like, 
yeah, that is that is my style. That is that is uh, a thing that I will bend over backwards to make, and it's going to be great, you know, no matter how much it costs me. Um, and those people aren't going to get a thing for them, and that's a little bit disappointing. It I think that sort was of part comes of... down. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, you. I think that that was part of what I was waiting for because I, I wasn't interested in any of the legendaries. It's part of the reason. I mean, they were all kind of like we talked about on the show before. They're kind of silly, you know. They're rainbow themed and flashy, and none of them felt like a legendary weapon of you know a fantasy world. Felt more like a little bit jokey. I mean, what the pistol shot confetti and stuff. And I wasn't mm-hmm. interested for that. And I kind of hope that this next set would be something that way, where you know you've got the feeling of a glamdrig from Lord of the Rings, where the sword just catches on fire when it's angry and gets mad at something. And Nevermore kind of was that. And it, like you said, it goes perfect for your character. It's awesome. But now that we don't have any prospect of newer legendaries, I'm just let even more disenchanted. When I never wanted to make one, I kind of feel like, oh well, if they, yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, and I do, I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying about using legendaries as filler content. Um, I have done that many, many, many times in the past, uh, which I don't know, it, legendaries are sort of what keeps me playing the game when I can't find another excuse to keep playing the game. I'm just like, oh, well, I'll make another legendary. And that's sort of a sad state of affairs in itself, right? Because, I mean, it's great that there's a sort of overarching end game goal, right? Like, legendaries span... Um, because they take so many materials to make and so many, like a wide variety of it, uh, no matter which game type you're playing or whatever, uh, legendary is sort of a long-term goal that you can work towards and, uh, can sort of nicely tie together your end game experience because when there's not necessarily specific stuff for you to go and do that's new anymore, um, you can go back and repeat old stuff to make a legendary, but that's not good, right? Like, ideally, there should just be new content, and you shouldn't have to be forced to grind old content to make something worth playing out of the game. Yeah? And yep. last year was horrifically dry for content. Uh, this year, shaping up to be better. Definitely anything is better than last year. Um, not particularly great so far, unless you're a raider or a PvPer. Um which obviously is a problem in its own right. And I see, like, I can't really condemn Mike O'Brien for saying, look, there is a problem and moving to a solution to fix it. And, you know, as much as I like legendaries and as, as good as I think they are as an endgame goal, if you have to cut something, legendaries seem like the most resource-intensive and frivolous sort of thing that you can cut that, I I understand the decision, uh, even if it's disappointing to me. I guess, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's not a good situation that it had to happen all around. But at the same time, I'm like, well, you know, what else? If they can't get out content this way, um, they have to now. They have to, have to, have to. Um, how are they going to do that? And I don't see what else they could cut besides legendaries. That makes sense, you know. Well, I mean... Yeah, cause he said he, in his post something about wanting to make it old, what he said in the manifesto, you know, a living world where it's actively changing, you're going through, and, you know, legendaries don't... They're, they're the farthest thing from that that we can see that we know they're working on. So in that way, yes, it does make sense. But there's reasons, like you said, there's reasons to cut it, but there's so many reasons not to cut it. I mean... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you said it's resource-intensive, but according to that post, there's only six people working on it out of a, con- you know, out of a company of... 300 like uh, that's 
that's actually sounds like one of the least resource intensive units that's yeah. like uh, and there's yeah. some animation that as i understand animation is one of the most intensive things in games but i mean is there only one artist there with them is he doing all the i don't know it seems to me though i've never really done any real game development that you should be able to you know get a concept for the legendaries out in maybe two weeks you know do the drafts do some writing and then this system that they put in place, I mean, they told us when they introduced collections that this is the prototype for legendary precursor creation. That's there. So if it's there, how much time does it take? To, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. The art, I would wager, is one of the easiest aspects because they make art all the time. I mean, they make yeah. gem store art, you know, literally on a weekly or couple weekly basis. That's so right. And the, the, the last two things we saw in the Gemstar were like legendary quality nearly. Yeah. And so, and, and that's not, you know, this isn't me, you know, saying, oh, they're spending all their resources on the Gemstar. No, not, not at all. I'm just saying in terms of where the bulk of the work comes from, I have to imagine that it can't be just from the legendary, like the art, because they, they put out so many skins and, and things like that. Like, and, and they're beautiful. I'm not knocking their art at all either, but, um, I would wage okay, so like, uh, yeah. Spirit summed yeah. it up when she said, "I have complicated feelings because I have very complicated feelings." Uh, I don't remember where I was reading about it slash talking about it, but something that happens in a lot of things, but especially in software, is that a lot of the time you'll sort of start on a system and then you'll come to a point where you say it's going to take longer than we want to get it done right, but we can get it done wrong pretty quickly. And a lot of the time, the push is to get it done right-ish, but also wrong, like towards the end steps, mm -hmm. just to get it out. And what that ultimately leads to is something that does get done quicker, but in the long run takes a lot more time and resources to expand upon, because going back and fixing it from the ground up takes just as long as having developed it from the ground up the first time and if you don't fix it then whatever crappy shortcuts you took are just going to turn into bigger and bigger problems and that's and the if type they're of bad thing. enough i understand it, it could affect different parts of the game if yeah, they're, if that they're yeah that too or 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 other parts of the game will affect it you know in in unexpected ways like super adventure box uh which we'll get into but a big part of that was that 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 was put together um, by a small number of people and you know sort of sort of rushed out and i'm not knocking them because they were looking at it like a one-time event but as a result the physics and all sorts of things in it were just really sort of wonkily done and that is part of why it hasn't come back before is because well, I don't other know. things broke that segue in a little i think super adventure box influenced hot i mean the bounty mushrooms and some of the things we saw there oh you know, in i'm sure i'm sure i did but i mean i'm just talking about from a sort of rushing it to finish it but not getting it done yeah as you know and and then other other changes to the game broke super adventure box broke the physics broke all sorts of things like that and that's sort of endemic to what happens when you rush the final stages of of a project and don't get it done air quote right the first mm -hmm. time um is it is it makes it really hard to expand upon so i don't know if that's what happened with the collection system or with the legendary journey and that maybe it's taking you know these teams a lot longer than you would hope to be able to repeatedly put this out but you know the the legendaries 
the legendary system was supposed to was something that we were promised in 2013 um and we finally got it after many iterations and it's being abandoned again and i went back because i i when we were talking about this on the show notes i i just had these flashbacks of us having talked about this exact thing and it was in episode i want to say 165 yeah all from one episode episode 165 which was spirit and i right before heart of thorns came out and what we were saying was that something that's going to be really important is and i quote myself the most important question for the future is whether they will actually support the new systems they're adding, which is not something that they've done historically. And as a sub-question, if the expansion does really well and everybody's happy, what will be the balance between living story content and expansion content, etc., etc.? There's been a dry period. And, you know, here we are six months after Heart of Thorns came out, and, you know, uh, one of those systems is being dropped, like, and a not insignificant one. And it just... You, a you system that Hot was sold on too. That's that's what kind of bothers me about it. Right, and you said it before the show, Robin. Like you're not exactly surprised, and I guess that's the thing. I am angry, and I'm frustrated, and I'm sad, and I guess I'm just not surprised. Which means that I'm, you know, I'm I'm done being optimistic that they're gonna keep their promises for their future vision because you know it's just been it's been three years of we're going to build this cool system and expand upon it and then not. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Also, also because I finally sort of hoped and believed that they were going to do it. I wasn't in love with the first three legendaries or rather I liked them, but they didn't really work for my characters, but I was impressed with their quality. And so I did almost all of the work to, do one of these new hot legendaries because you know new ones were coming out and they were still being worked on and yeah so i've pretty much done all that and a lot of that is resources that can't be repurposed into other anything because they're map currencies and account bound and i finished all my amalgamated gemstones and just three days before that announcement had turned them into crystalline ingots which was stupid i guess i shouldn't have done that and yeah, I've done those meta events until I'm sick, and that's yeah. So more than it just being sold on Hot, meta events and map currencies inside of Hot are integral to that system that has now been cast out. It's so weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. And I, and I had been worried too, you know, because they talked about how they were working on a new expansion, and I was sort of looking at the at you know the timeline of how they actually haven't put out any new legendaries yet and i was wondering gosh is there going to be a new expansion before they even finish these first 16 legendaries and if so like is that going to be really hard to get the future legendaries because you know nobody will be in those maps if a new expansion comes out or would all those map currencies be wasted if they make you know eight of them for hot and you know the the next eight for x-pack 2 or you know and i was i was just sort of wondering those things and you know i i mean i guess guess the answer is it doesn't matter because they are effectively never gonna happen so yeah i don't know if there's anything more to say i think um long term my perception of this decision will come with what they actually accomplished by axing this 
If they That's end up true. asking legendaries for like one new event a month, then it's like you know, like I guess you know what what can these six people accomplish, and you know, will it have been worth it ultimately? Because if they if if they are actively able to put out a lot of good solid content, then it might sort of be worth it. If this um, prevents a content drought, yeah, but I don't know if it can. But at the same time, I look at what you know six people on the raid team do. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually pretty darn good. And if it doesn't have to be, I mean, if it's just open world events, it doesn't have to be up to the standard of raid quality where it has to be like very, very thoroughly, uh, you know, tested for exploits and all kinds of stuff like that, then, you know, maybe it'll be okay. But I don't, yeah, like I don't, I don't think it excuses necessarily what they've done, even if it is okay. I think it'll just change how I perceive this long term. Um, I do want to ask you guys sort of a a theoretical question, and it's just something that I've seen um, a lot of people speculate on, and I don't want to, like, you know, start any drama or anything, but um, it's more that I don't think there is any drama, but I wanted to get you guys' take on it. Um, Do you think that this announcement is indicative of any new problems at ArenaNet? I mean, we've we've always sort of harped on it as, like, it seems like management at ArenaNet is just a frustrating hair pulling out uh, nightmare because it seems like the there's always a problem where two heads aren't talking to each other um but do you think it's indicative of any like you know like arena that's really going downhill and things are exploding there or anything you want that first script okay i'll go (laughs) um i don't know this is all tinfoil hat and just theory from being on the outside, obviously, I don't know anyone that works at ArenaNet, and I don't have any insider information. But I don't know with uh, what's his name leaving. Uh, Colin. With Colin leaving, you know, there's obviously a big shift and a big change. And I think I'm happy to see Mo take over again. But um, you know, there's going to be change. He's going to have to do things that people don't like because he's there's going to have to be change before things can be improved. And Colin did a great job. I mean, some of the things that Colin has his name on for Guild Wars 1, what was the uh, the bonus mission pack, I think it was? I'm pretty sure Colin spearheaded that and designed that, and that was one of my favorite things in Guild Wars. And Colin's got a lot of cool things in Guild Wars 1 and even in Guild Wars 2 that he spearheaded. But I don't know that seeing the three years that we had Guild Wars 2 out, that he was a great uh, manager of the entire game. And maybe maybe that's a bad assumption, but I'd like to see what happens with him not there anymore. Um, maybe, and what I'm saying is Collins may be the better designer of individual systems than an overarching game design team leader. But I don't know, that's just, I'd like to see if we, if that's true or not, if uh, we see it move in a different direction and we like that direction, so. So I guess, <clears throat> I guess my thoughts are that I've seen, I've seen a lot of people sort of start harping on Colin uh, this this and I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I've seen I've seen that sort of mm-hmm. thought thread lately, and I guess the question I keep asking myself is, does this feel like a different arena net? Because to me, it feels like the exact same arena net that we've always had, which is, um, you know, I love this game, and I know that the developers work really hard, but I feel like the story of Guild Wars Two has been we've got a problem and we've got an idea to fix it and we're going to have to lay a bunch of groundwork and then we'll build on that and it'll be really special. And then, Oh, just kidding. There's a problem. Um, let's ignore that groundwork and work on something to fix that problem and start some new groundwork. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this feels like the exact same thing that it has been for the past three years. So well, I don't feel like arena going downhill. I feel like arena is on the same path that it's, 
been on. And I was really hoping that with the expansion, that would be them turning the corner. And it looks like they didn't. They're just going down the same highway to me. Yeah, I think I think the thing that people are saying is uh, different is Mo actually you know, came out and straight up told us, like, look, this is this is what's happening. Instead of things, you know, disappearing or, you know, being indefinitely quiet about it, he just came out and said it. I think that's what people are, are saying is different or, or strange. The communication aspect, which is a risk on his part, because now they kind of have to, in some way, maybe they don't have to, but in some way you'd expect them to show... Um, what is being gained by dropping them off instead of them telling us, you know, six months later, oh, by the way, we're not doing legendaries and this is what we, we're we benefiting that from that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have to give my hat, you know, take my hat off about that. I think it is great that they've told us. And mm-hmm. part of transparency is that you have to accept that people might not like what you have to say, but it's still better to get negative feedback telling you that people disagree with you than to just not communicate at all. Like part part of communicating more means that people will be able to deliver their opinions on your decisions, but it doesn't mean that they didn't have those opinions before if you weren't talking about it. It just means people's imagination was running more wild and um you know, yeah. So that's that that is an aspect of open communication that I hope that they understand. And I definitely appreciate being told, for sure, because you know, to to follow up on my own, you know, woe is me. I I had always I wasn't completely working on a new legendary on faith because I do like Astralaria. I just was hoping that I would get like a scepter or a dagger that I really liked because I didn't really think either of the first ones were flashy enough and I really wanted one for my uh Necro's Condi weapons. But you know, now that I know that basically we're not getting any more, and I don't use shortbow on anybody except Thief, and he's already super adventure box shortbowed and super adventure box everything, so I don't really need one for him. Uh, you know, I'm I'm finishing Astralaria because I already have all the common materials and all the hot events. So even though I'm mad and frustrated, the fact that I now know that and I'm not just going to sit here languishing for nine months waiting for a legendary that'll never come out. Um, that's still, it's still better for me to be mad that they're not making more, but being able to do something with my time and resources than wasting even more time being frustrated. And then also finding out way later that it's going to happen. So yeah. So, I mean, like it's, I'm glad they told us, um, you know, I, I don't know what changed in the sense that, you know, according to Colin, the communication policy was not his decision. So, uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> if it's a management thing with Mike being both game director and studio director, I mean, he pretty much answers to himself, right? There's no one about yeah. Mike, right? Right. I mean, okay. Right. So, but that's, that's what I mean. It's like, it sounds like if it was Mike's, if it was, if it was Mike's decision in the first place to not talk and now that he's in the game, maybe now that he's in the hot seat in front of everybody, he feels like he needs to talk, um, Maybe that's all that changed. So I I appreciate the transparency. Yeah, the as sad as I it see. is, like I really hope they keep it up because if if they have to do like I well I I hope they keep up the transparency. I don't hope they keep up canceling systems. Like I don't ever want this to happen for anything else in the game ever again. Even though I'm really terrified it'll happen but, for raids. But canceling systems though. Back on that. 
if they do need to cancel systems to push other things, if this does show promise, maybe they can actually focus instead of iterating everything like they seem to do. Um, focus on some core stuff, get that hammered out, get it done, and then maybe they'll find that since they weren't spread too thin, they can go back to these other systems. You know, maybe that's just me being too optimistic, but I kind of hope that's where we'll see it, and I wonder if that's the change that's happening with someone else directing the studio. But how's that any different from every other time they've abandoned their systems right. to try and fix something else? You're right. Like, maybe the point, maybe, maybe I've just had it. Maybe I've just had it too many times, and I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm tired of being optimistic about... I'm t- I'm tired of looking at the bright side of, you know, maybe maybe this is the time. Like this is, you know, I I don't know. Like I mean, like Spirit said, if it if it ultimately works out to be really good, I'll be happy that they've made something really good, but uh that the trust that they will expand on all their I mean, what what if they what if they just said, "Well, you know, making a bunch of new skills and uh new traits and all that stuff was really hard, so we're not doing any more elite specializations. Like, what, what if they scrapped that yeah. system too? Like, what I mean, what, uh, yeah, it's mm. yeah. Honestly, mm. if if legendaries and I, I have a genuine fear that raids are going to get axed. Um, if that, if those th- two things in combination happen for me, there would just be no long term potential in Guild Wars Two for me anymore. Um, fractals aren't going to hold me. Dungeons are not dead. going Already to be dead. worked on and yeah that that'll be the end for me uh in terms of like long-term stuff like i mean we've said in the past like as pretty much as long as guild wars 2 is gonna is is out i will come back from time to time to check out you know whatever they do end up putting out you know new story stuff whatever but uh for playing daily i would uh, if if that happened i would immediately start looking for another mmo i, I hear black death is pretty cool yeah, I heard you. I heard you have some thoughts on that. Um, I do. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But yeah, there's there's really no positive spin to this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've refrained from using any four letter words, so I'm proud of myself. And at least I haven't used them on this podcast. And uh, yeah, I I don't think we really have anything else to say productive on that. You guys want to just nah. move on? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. <sighs> I'm going to take a drink real quick. <laughs> All right. Do you so, want to talk about the economy bit, or do you want to talk about Super Adventure Box? Let's hit the economy comment. So Isaiah, did he, he responded to someone's post on Reddit, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, someone was posted on Reddit how they want, might want to change the economy to an investment system where you uh, would, you know, queue things for time. And then you'd get cloth. It could help with the fact that, you know, you need a little 50 um, to get things like linen, which would be an interesting add to the game. Isaiah came back saying that, well, this type of system would uh, would help me out here. Hmm? This kind of system may incentivize people that are the rich getting richer. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, that that was that was his first. How, did you did you keep reading the thread after that? I think I read all of uh, Isaiah's comments. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean basically he's his his first primary argument was that with investment systems being hard coded into the game it incentivizes a it incentivizes a system in which the rich having more resources to throw around can gain exponentially more benefit out of it than people with very little resources and so while it may seem like something that would be nice for the little guy it could throw out the economy out of whack too far because of the ability to massively influence 
the market or the systems as you have more capital. That's that's basically what his initial premise was, which I understand you have some feelings on that. Well, I would agree with, except for there are already systems and invest schemes in place in the game that allow the rich to already get richer if you're going to take mm-hmm. that approach. Um, for example, Black Lion Skin. When I hit around 800 gold, I think it was, I realized I could buy Black Lion Skins, uh, presumably the ones that are you know for one ticket, and buy them, you know, just wait till they go up to just cost of three tickets or um, buy them with gold off the TP. Wait till they go up to three tickets or just disappear and then sell them. And this is a solid, safe form of speculation that, you know, I'm not crazy rich, but as I make more money off of it, I have more money to put into it. So to say that there is, I mean, in any type of economy system where you've got, you know, all these mats and stuff going around, I suppose the rich are getting richer. But to say that that system wouldn't um, foster game type uh, economy that they... Where they where they want foster an economy where it would allow the rich, richer one that's already a issue, I think is kind of silly. Plus, I think the investing would be good because it would help solve the burden of trying to get these lower level mats that are hard to get when you already have a uh, level eighty character. Yeah, I think that if you're ascended crafting, yeah, I think it's very complicated. I think that they've backed themselves into a corner with low level crafting materials, wherein I don't I don't know where their original thought process was or what their original projection of the gameplay or the economy would be but they created what originally was not a very real problem which is that because of loot scaling you just actually can't get tier 4 and below materials once you're level 80 you just get high tier stuff because the idea is they don't want to give you level 10 items on your level 80 they'd rather just Mm -hmm. give you a level 80 item less frequently if you're in a low level zone but not just give you level 10 stuff but then ascended mats showed up or ascended armor right and this this sort of feeds back into my principal gripe slash frustration with the economy being that you know from from my perspective they looked at it and they said these materials are only worth a couple of copper they are worthless and the reason they are worthless is because nobody needed to use them and so they tried to give them value by sinking them out of the economy by making you have to use a metric ton of them for something that was highly desirable but the problem is there's no supply there are there's no influx of supply there's no positive flow of them into the game or very little that is and so while there was a huge surplus just sort of sitting in silos everywhere with millions and millions of low tier cloths that nobody wanted once the locust swarm of players trying to craft ascended came in and gobbled them all up there's none going back in or very few going back in but the demand is still there like the recipes haven't gone down in their requirement they've stayed they've stayed targeted at a place where they're used to be a ton but but there's not and so that's where you get to this place where now it's inverted the the highest tier crafting material is one of the lowest value because you get so much of it and it's you know uh wool you know costs what seven silver a pop when gossamer costs like 40 copper it's Mm -hmm. it's absurd and there's nothing you can do to get those lower tier ones so looking at it from that perspective i think that there's some some good uh, or at least some good ideas for making those kinds of investment systems potentially to try and give back some supply and maybe you have it limited to just like 
once per day or, you know, once per account per day or some sort of limit so that the rich can't completely abuse that system to help reinforce some of the supply. Um, but that being said, I do somewhat sympathize with what Isaiah is saying, which is that that type of thing is very, can be very influential and everything that is globally available to players can have huge impacts on the economy. And if you don't take meticulous care to account for their impact, you can create just as big of a problem as you're trying to solve just in some different way. And so at the very least, it seems unlikely that they have the resources to implement a system like that safely. So I can at least somewhat sympathize with his pushback on that. Yeah. So, but it, what interests me about this, it brings us back to Ascended Mats, which is something we talk about a lot on this show. Yeah. Ascended Materials. And it's, and it's just, that's like a core thing that bothers everyone, whether it's the economy or, you know, rating or whatever, that just is a system that I don't, I mean, I think it's safe to say that's kind of broken and it just causes aggravation for everyone. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. Um, it's just really weird <laughs> it's just really weird and awkward and maybe if they had down better downgrading recipes to flush out some of the high tier mats to turn them into low tier mats at a rate that's useful yeah or some i don't know i don't know how you would do it but yeah the the potential we talked about this on the show or uh, before the show rather about how we could just talk ourselves in circles about it yeah. and the the circle to complete the circle the problem with an investment style system where you pay a certain amount of gold or something and then you get a better return in a bit of time uh in even in the form of materials is a combination between the fact that you'd be setting a specific gold price for a specific amount of material which does wonky things when you have inflation and that material or and that price doesn't get adjusted for inflation but also if it was very successful and it drove down the prices back to where they were before ascended crafting came out and started sucking them all up then i feel that for the same reason that they made the recipes cost what they do now they would just counter that by coming up with some brand new extremely yeah, material would go somewhere else yeah, they would come up with some new extremely material intensive sink, which at which point then you'd have a, a huge sink on on ascended crafting materials and you'd have a huge sink somewhere else and it would be potentially even worse because you'd have to do what you already have to do to make the money for the low tier materials and you have to invest because they would like sort of reshift it towards assuming everybody can invest. It's yeah, it um, and then you know yeah, and then you say well now we need more resources and you know you can you can talk yourselves in circles mm -hmm. about that for forever. Um, but I think I I think it'd be great if they had some way to make that happen. Um, <laughs> in some controlled safe manner. Spirit, did you have anything to add? Not really. I'm pretty economy dumb for as much as I play this game. I um I do my fractals and I buy black lion skins and sell them. Uh, that's about it. That's pretty I much mean, the safest, easiest way to make money, which is also what I do. Yeah, I mean the the economy stuff affects everyone, right? Like the it, like it, as long as you're actively playing the game and like buying stuff for yourself, or even if you're not buying stuff for yourself on the trading post, um, the fact that 
maybe you can't get as many things as you need by actually playing the game in a reasonable amount of time because it is assumed that you can buy things off the trading post is going to affect you at some point. Right. So, I don't know. It's an interesting sort of theoretical dis- discussion, which is why I thought it was cool that Isaiah was just willing to talk very frankly about it because you know, it's not something they talk about very much. But um, other than that, yep, yeah, I don't... Unless it's going to help me get us under faster, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you mentioned the ability to buy things off the trading post and that being factored in. That's that's exactly what we saw with Diablo 3. You know, Diablo 3 had a trading post, and it's it's why we have two blues and a green syndrome for that reason, too. It's like when mm-hmm. you spread out item drop rates over millions of players... If you want any items to have meaning, you have to make them so rare because of the fact that if they weren't rare on an individual player basis, they would be dirt cheap on a global player basis because you can buy on the trading post and you can all communicate with each other. But the problem that lies with that is just what you said is like it is assumed that you can buy it off the trading post. And so everything funnels around your ability to do that, not your ability to actually get it yourself. And you know, which is I, but, a gameplay style, or yeah, yeah. Um, and but that's and that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with anything, anything that affects players' ability to interact with one another and with the economy has huge ramifications on every aspect of the game. And the you know, yeah, you the trading post is a perfect one. The existence of a trading post has a huge impact on loot tables, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, that's a very salient example. So. Uh, we'll we'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read the discussion because it's interesting. There's there's a uh, stuff to think about, and Isaiah is a very learned person on the economy and the game itself. So it's always interesting to read opinions from people that know what they're talking about, <laughs> whether or not you agree with them. It's always you know they always present a good viewpoint. So yeah, all right, and I think that brings us to our last major news aspect which is that the super adventure box is back for the first time in two years Ah! Ah! it's pretty much only internal joyous screaming at this uh that that is my entire response to it being back yeah pretty much um have you guys been playing it a lot i've this is the first time that i've been had time to actually play it because the other times that it's been in the game i was taking a break or just too busy so i'm really enjoying Mm -hmm. that i got that uh continue coin that i lamented purchasing so many times but i've got it now and i can use it yeah same thing for me they they both both times that had come before uh were particularly busy times for me whether i was um back at uni or uh, in the middle of exams or whatever. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I had only run through World 2 once and just enough to see it and not do anything else. So I was so excited when I got to fully experience it. Because I, yeah, I mean, we can talk a little bit about this later, I guess, but I have really strong opinions and I think Super Adventure Box is just genuinely good content, which obviously is something we're lacking. Well, why don't you, or, or, are you are you comparing it to in general? Is that what your talk about it later was, or did you want to uh, talk about well, your I just super you guys adventure wanted box to specific? Talk about your opinions and stuff first. Um, well, mine's pretty short actually, because interestingly, I guess I actually have the exact opposite experience as you two do, which is that both times Super Adventure Box came out, I was in the prime of my playing time and I played the crap out of it. 
um like a lot i got almost all of the achievements if not all of them i did tribulation mode for all of the levels and i got pretty much everything out of it that i wanted the first time and i always wanted it to come back because i i love it but now i am kind of like super busy and it's kind of bad timing for me now which is like i said it's pretty much the exact opposite of you guys so i'm actually not playing it a ton but i am i am playing it and at least getting the dailies every day um so i'm actually really glad to hear that you guys are are sort of getting to experience it fully for the first time and that you're still enjoying it and excited about it but um, even though you played the crap out of it as i think you said um you're glad that it's back Oh, absolutely. Oh, of course. I think it's... Yeah. (laughs) I think that's something... I mean, I've watched some YouTube videos and read some stuff on Reddit and stuff about how some people are like, oh, we don't want Super Adventure Box to come back because it's just a small, you know, loud minority that loves it so much. And, you know, I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing... I have... I'm a member of, like, four guilds. And I went and looked on my... Not just RO. Like, everybody that's active is in Super Adventure Box. I think everybody likes it. I think it is good that it's back, and it's not a minority of people that are, you know, playing it and only wanting it. I think it's... Like Spirit said, it's good content, and it's an example of good content, and it's... I wish it was around more. Yeah, I just... I mean, that segues perfectly, basically, into what I wanted to say about it, is that it, it... The appeal in Super Adventure Box... Uh, definitely can appeal to a certain subset of players. Like, definitely maybe more to people who have nostalgia, who understand the references about Super Adventure Box. But it's also really accessible to a large variety of players. Do you like to play solo? Great. Do you like to play with two people? Great. Do you like to play with any any number up to five people? Great. It totally scales up to that many people. It's something you can easily jump into. It's bite-sized. You can just jump in with as many friends as you want, screw around, and, you know, have fun and find secrets. Um, it appeals to the achievable types because it's got, you know, so many different achievements associated with it, some difficult, some easy, some that take more time investment. Um, uh, if you're bad at jumping puzzles, there's an infantile mode, and most of the achievements can be completed on infantile mode, so you can, um, it, it bridges over the gaps for you, so you can make those jumps, it, it takes you through different shortcuts, so you don't have to be super hardcore to invest. But at the same time, if you are crazy hardcore, there's also tribulation mode, which is everything is a booby trap everything is terrifying the flowers explode the checkpoints kill you uh it is brutal and wonderful I love flowers it. confused me for a while <laughs> uh yeah it, i mean it's just really really good flexible content that appeals to a maybe not appeals to a wide variety i mean i definitely some people get really mad about or not mad but uh it can <laughs> i don't want to be like it can ruin your immersion you know, I don't want to. I don't mean that in like a sarcastic sense. It's a. It's a very jarring, different sort of thing from Guild Wars 2's natural st- or like normal. I mean, style. I I would submit that it shouldn't ruin your immersion because it's an Asurin Whatsama gadget. Yeah, that's exactly. like putting you into a holodeck. That sounds extremely Asurin. It's not like it's out in the real world. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, but I, I mean, I, I at the same opinion. time, there are people like that, and it, you know, it's a valid argument. Whatever, if you don't. If you don't like Super Adventure Box, you don't like it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's it's not going to appeal to everyone, but it does fit a good it is a good um option for a lot of people. And I wish more things in Guild Wars 2 were like that where you know, we could just grab one to five of our friends and screw around in a dungeon for a day and it takes 15 minutes to get through and that's fine or we can spend an hour in there finding all the secrets and launching each other, killing each other with flowers and you know, stuff like that. Like the 
the hitting type snakes of with concept. nunchucks. Yeah, exactly. It does a good <laughs> job on of clouds distilling. And trying to play music before you fall down. It does a good job of distilling um, a lot of the really fun core aspects of Guild Wars 2, I think. It, it, it lets you use that engine in all different ways, like you said, infantile mode or tribulation mode. So if you want to do it easy, you don't want to do it easy, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Also, I think it's worth mentioning, speaking of using mechanics well, that I don't think any of us use action camera on a regular basis, but oh, I love Super action Adventure camera Box... For this. Yeah, but, right. But for absolutely. Super Adventure Box, feels like yeah. action cam is what this was like. It was made for action. It does. Action it totally cam does. Was made for this. Like mm-hmm. it is. It feels great. And I think a big part of that for me, the, the reason I don't use action cam very much is because I really don't like how it interacts with placing AOEs, and mm-hmm. yeah. I have to lead with AOEs on enough of my classes that I also don't like auto target AOE. Um, so it just doesn't really work for me in a normal play, but in Super Adventure Box, where you don't have that concern, it feels fantastic, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I've um, been using it, too. I Sometimes I switch in and out of it for tricky jumps, because sure. I I forget that I accidentally, like, I in action camera, your character moves to face whichever direction you're going, so you, you don't strafe in the same way, you actually run a lot faster while you're strafing in action camera. Um, so I forget that sometimes and run off edges, but, uh, for any, any sort of combat in Super Adventure Box, I switch over immediately. Yeah. It's a much better solution to the short time that I was able to play Super Adventure Box last time around, where I was rebinding my one to my left click. Yeah, Yeah. I was just about to say that, that, that bind alone, especially, well, just in general, but that, that bind alone is fantastic Mm -hmm. as well. Like, yeah, it just feels great to left click and hit things with nunchucks or pointy sticks. Um, do you guys want to talk about the new skins, new achievables, and new collections? Sure. Uh, so they've basically given us a collection for each of the different skin types. So Super Adventure Box has a specific um, sort of model associated with it, and then there's different color variations of that model. Um, currently, there's orange, blue, green, and yellow, and there were a couple other ones planned, but... Uh, Orange being the new one. Yeah. So by doing dailies, so if you do eight um, completions of eight sets of three Super Adventure Box dailies, and there's a bunch of different uh, dailies like um, opening chests or destroying furniture or digging up baubles, stuff like that. Uh, Or just completing ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's Um, called the course homework and it's repeatable. Yeah. A doing eight of those rewards you with an orange weapon skin. Uh, they are called the Kaiser Snake skins. We don't know if that's like a reference to a planned boss or anything. Uh, that's just what they're called right now. And so those are the new ones. But you can also get uh, more of them by collecting all of the green and yellow skin. Uh, the green skins come from doing tribulation mode of World 1, and the yellow ones come from tribulation mode of World 2, and by collecting all of those, um, so each collection would take you 16 full runs of World 1 and World 2, respectively. You would get an orange skin on an ascended weapon, so you get an ascended version of an orange skin, and a little infusion that has red particle effects if you collect all the green weapons, and blue particle effects if you collect all the yellow ones. And they're awesome, and I totally want them, and I'm going to be farming Tribulation Mode a lot. <laughs> and we have till the 16th, is it? Or the 19th? 19th. Sweet. Yeah, which means that you have enough dailies if you 
are diligent with it to get two orange skins without doing any achievements or collections or well not achievements but Mm -hmm. yeah just just by doing the dailies for 16 out of the 19 days you can get two of the skins which is cool um yeah i (laughs) so I definitely have to say that I am really happy that this new aura is for gameplay content instead of uh, throwing a thousand or two thousand gold at an insane mat sink mm. um, like the what you call it like the, the bat wings bats, and the... the bats or the snow yeah both of those um, so I'm really glad that it's for gameplay. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am kind of actually super busy right now, so there's no way I'm going to do Tribulation Mode 15 more times. I've done it once per world, and that was mostly enough for me. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really glad that that's there for. <laughs> I'm just really glad that it's a gameplay um, unlockable. I think that's much better. Mm-hmm. Also, the Super Adventure Box boom boxes used to be yes. Used to be gem store, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and are now achievement based. That's pretty cool. Yeah, or, I... or baubles. Maybe they're just bobble based. Whatever. Yeah. You can get them without the gem store. That's Correct. that's the salient point here. Yes, and I'm very happy about that because I didn't get to get them last time, or I didn't think to get them. So I was like, yeah, I'll be back. I don't really have that much money right now. I'll just you know, get them later. And I was not able to, and I really wanted them for a long time, and now they're back, and I can get them. <laughs> Ah. Uh, but speaking of super adventure box music there is a neat feature where if you go into tribulation mode um it puts an item in your inventory called the shard of dust uh and that if you double click on it will turn all your super adventure box metal it is pretty great i've been using it on tribulation mode because it is metal (laughs) tribulation mode is the most metal that's amazing Uh, i didn't even know about that because that that wasn't before Correct. Uh, so the the reason it's, it's actually called Shard of Dusk is because there is a fan composer uh, who goes by the name It Starts at Dusk who composed and performed, I believe, all of this music. Uh, and they got permission to use his music in Super Adventure Box. And it's actually the fan composer's music, not ArenaNet. That's pretty cool. So that's that is awesome. Yeah, I really think that's a cool thing. Um, they actually interviewed him on Guild Chat this week. I haven't seen it yet, but um, so my details not be, might not be perfectly correct. But if you want to know more about that, it was on Guild Chat this week. I see. Well, that explains it because I missed Guild Chat this week and I had not heard any of this. So there you go. It feels I'm like so a first. I'm usually, going one, <laughs> I'm usually the one who watches and talks about the Guild Chat stuff. So that's actually uh, thank you for letting me know that I missed that this week. <sighs> yeah. No. I I think everybody's. Uh, I think everybody's pretty happy about about Super Adventure Box. Like, it's uh, it's a much beloved piece of content. I do have to say, going back uh, to our earlier discussion about legendaries uh, and supported content. Yeah. Well, also, did either of you watch Wooden Potatoes video? Mm-mm. Oh, uh, it was oh, crushingly brutal. Um. So I. I will say that I agreed with a lot of his frustration and a lot of the things that he said. I think he was a little bit uh, hard on the devs involved in making legendaries. I don't necessarily think it was their fault, but what he did say was uh, he was, you know, he was talking about the, um, you know, like what what the new content was that uh, that we'd be seeing, and he said, "I really hope it's not just." you know, that they're bringing Super Adventure Box back. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that like that they're like yeah because as much as people love super adventure box that's not really comparable to canceling legendary creation and uh all that which i having that video come out just uh mere days before before super adventure box came out was um well you know kind yeah, of i I've seen a bunch of people like in map chat and stuff say like, "Oh yeah, so they just brought Super Adventure Box back because it was damage control." And I'm like, "No, yeah, like, you they're... clearly do not understand development if you think that you can just damage control out Super Adventure Box." Yeah. On the other hand, I will say that it would not surprise me if it was the other way around, which is that you know obviously they knew Super Adventure Box was coming for quite a long time since they invested the dev resources to do it. And that made a convenient time to tell everybody that legendaries were not coming. Um, yeah, <laughs> that part wouldn't surprise me. No, there is a. There's been a rather sad trend since Mike has taken over of Arena Net giveth with one hand and crotch puncheth with the other. Or <laughs> they're like, "Hey, there's an AMA. Also, Colin's leaving. Hey, legendaries are canceled. Also, Sab is back." <laughs> like, I think we wow. may have just found the <laughs> title for our episode. <laughs> Arena Knight giveth with one hand and crotch punch with the other. It's not my rage is my rage is red. I can't speak. My rage is legendary. I mean, it could be. I I don't know. That's I know my rage is legendary. I don't know if that's representative entirely. I don't know. I almost I did say my rage is legendary. <laughs> my my rage is legendary. That's no. a spoonerism if there ever was one. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um. Was there? Was there anything else we want to talk about? Or do you guys still think, have more yeah, stuff to talk uh, about no. with Sab? Well, go ahead, Spirit. Uh Is there anything else you have to say about Sab, Revan? No, I think we were ready to go to Trader Arcade, right? Uh, Actually, I wanted to talk about... Maybe we won't do Trader Arcade this week. Maybe we'll okay. save that for a week where we have less stuff to talk about. But uh, I did want to talk about um, the post that I can't find because I went to find it before the show and forgot because I was doing Super Adventure Box. Um <laughs> But they basically they put up a teaser post about what is coming in the April nineteenth patch. Is that confirmed? What? Yeah, that it's April nineteenth. Yeah, I mean we're expecting a big quarterly patch this month. Right. I assume it's coming April nineteenth because that's when Super Adventure Box is in. Uh, but I wanted to find the dev post on it because there are a couple interesting things in there. Even though it's fairly general, basically they're like and the nineteenth hey. is a Tuesday, so which lines yeah. up right? Yeah. Um. Okay, I found it. Uh, so basically, I mean, quick overview of this post. It essentially says there is a quarterly patch coming. It will include PvE, PvP, and World v. World changes, which uh, yep. I think should be par for the course. So it's not mm -hmm. particularly exciting, but there are a couple details to pay attention to. Uh, first of all, fractals, um, there's going to be changing to the tiering structure, Um and as a result of that, for whatever reason, I don't understand why. Maybe they just have to explain it better. But they're re removing the casual fractal hero and core fractal hero achievements. So this is the 1 to 24 and 25 to 50, or I forget how it breaks down exactly. Uh, but basically, if you are an achievement hunter, or you just want those rewards, because there, there are pretty decent rewards for doing all of those in those level ranges, make sure to get those done in the next couple weeks, because they're going away. Uh, you can get at least a free fractal weapon out of that, um, of your choice, I believe. It's a crate that you can choose. Uh, and I think the other one is a gold weapon token. 
I don't remember off the top of my head, but extra pristine and, and normal fractal relics if, if you're after those. Um, definitely worth going out of your way to do, especially if you're close. Not not hard to knock that out in a weekend if you just wanted to get it over with. Um, what else? They're planning on reducing scribing costs. So if you're doing any scribing right now, maybe Stop. hold off on that. <laughs> Unless you're crazy like me because I, I pushed my level up to 325 last night because I'm ridiculous. But I wanted to... like. I feel like I have to just myself, justify myself because people are like, Spirit, no! And I was like, first Spirit, of all, I didn't have to spend... there was a Hubble Blown guild chat, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to spend that much money because I was already at 291 and 300 to 325 is practically free because you just had to refine Mithril. And the other thing was, actually, we should talk about this real quick because Super Adventure Box has a crap ton of really cool scribing decorations that came out with it. Oh yeah, I forgot um, about that. There's a life, not a life size, but an actual size king frog that is solid gold, uh, which I need in my life. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Wait, by actual size, like same as the boss? Same as the boss. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it is huge. How it is many expensive thousands to make. of gold does it take? Uh, I don't know how many... I don't... I'm not sure. It takes... But you do um, know it's thousands. Probably. I don't know. I don't know, really. I know it takes 64 unimpressive king frogs. Uh, which are like they're little stone frogs in the style of king frog, sort of like you see like in in people's gardens and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've got one of those knocking around the guild hall. Uh, and then yeah, it takes sixty four of those, and I don't think it even takes a grandmaster finishing kit. So probably it would depend on what finishing kit the unimpressive ones take, how ridiculously expensive it would be. Um, but I sort of want to do a guild project and see if we can maybe make one of those before the end of Super Adventure Box, which is my my main impetus for leveling up my scribing. Uh, also included in the the new de- guild decorations are Super Adventure Cloud, which um, is awesome. That's sort of yeah, they're making that's sort their of the way to the ceiling here. of our guild hall. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you you get them by going in and doing Super Adventure Box and picking up these furniture tokens, which you turn in for them. Uh, which is great because people don't have to spend any money on them, right? So we, we go in, we play the game, we get stuff, and we can put it straight to use in the guild hall. Which is exactly what I think a lot of people would have hoped that decorations yeah. would be in the first place. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. I mean, it's it's really good. Um, and because Relics is... <laughs> I, I used to say we were a medium-sized guild. We are fast becoming a large-sized guild. Um, we have a lot of these decorations lying around, and they're really great decorations the clouds themselves specifically the other ones are good too but the the clouds specifically um are great for a lot of reasons and one of them is that they're so prevalent uh two that they're they're cheap to get you just get them by playing the game three that they're big because you can use a lot of them without getting decoration cap so if you want to make a giant staircase or um a jumping puzzle or something it's really good to do with these clouds because they're big flat platforms that make it really easy for people to jump on them. So, I not right now. Right now, I That's made a something that I really like about something I didn't say about Super Adventure Box. It's really nice and easy to jump on things because they're square. You see exactly where your limits are, and that's what you mm-hmm. said. They're great for making a uh, jumping puzzles. Yeah, I, I think they're great in the Guild Hall too. Yeah, and so I'm really keen to to use them help help uh, to help out with our jumping puzzles and things because. They're really great for people who struggle with jumping. You don't have to jump on a little table or lantern or something, or which is what we've been using. Yeah. Plus, they just look more natural than spamming snowdrifts as clouds in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not natural, natural, because obviously they're super adventure box, but, um, <laughs> you know, 
-hmm. they look more in place, I guess. Yep. So there's those clouds. There's the frogs. Uh, You can get um, paintings of Moto and Princess Mia that go on the walls. And I I had to do a double take because I was running to our scribing station and all of a sudden Princess Mia was looking at me and I just kind of stared back at her and I was like, that's not right. Guild decorations don't go on the walls. What is this? So it's sort of the first instance of, of things designed to be placed on a wall. Yeah. And it's also the first instance of sort of floor designs because you can get um, sort of platforms that are super adventure box grass. And that is is very cool for um, sort of, you know, either decorating your own area or, um, again, using for platforming. Not as not as cheap as the clouds, but mm. if that's your sort of end goal for your guild hall, then you have that option now. And I really hope they keep that up because I want more like rugs and things to put down in, in the guild hall. Uh, other than that, there's also trees and mountains, so a big sort of um, rocky platform area. I would say that's about the size of... Uh, what can I compare that to? I don't know. They're, they're, the mountains are fairly big. Um, the trees are... they as big are, as the lion thing? Uh, as big as the what? The lion. Yeah, actually, probably probably a little bit bigger than our lion. Um, so if you've been in the Relics of War Guild Hall, we have uh, Cecil, Bearer of Kegs, King of Antioch, third of his name. Crap, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Hunter's gonna crucify me. Um, yeah, I can't think of our guild mascot's name right now, which is really upsetting to me. But uh, probably a little bit bigger than Cecil, and then there's also trees that are probably bigger than Cecil, and a couple smaller boulders and things. So there's a very big, v- wide variety of decorations, and they're all fairly cheap to make. Not um, spectacularly cheap, as describing, but uh, reasonable. Cheaper. All the festival stuff Relatively been, and that's cheap. great. Yes. Relatively cheaper. Yeah, that is what it's I not what a five hundred gold Christmas tree. Yes, I think that's all the things. Anyway, I'm super excited about that. Can you tell? Yeah, super excited box. It's the super yeah. <laughs> uh, so to talk about specifically, like back to that post to talk about um, some of the ways specifically that they're reducing scribing costs is they're reducing material costs on the recipes themselves. Um, like sandpaper will require less sand, ink sets will require less ink, things like that. Um, they're also way upping the supply of resonating slivers so that they're not a barrier to scribes who don't have a, necessarily a guild funneling all their resources into them. Um, they're also increasing drop rates on other stuff. So it's a sort of a huge across the board, um, many different ways that they're trying to reduce this cost. Um, other than that, in the World v. World area, they are planning on bringing the Alpine Borderlands back, not with the big patch, it seems like. It'll take them a while to get ready to do that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, yeah, it is on their radar and it is good. they're working on bringing it back is is the gist of this post. I don't want to read it all out for you because it's a big post. It's, of course, we'll link it in the show notes and everything. It's nice that we're going to see World v. World give some attention because it's really been the lacking game type since hot release, I think. Mm-hmm. Since before that. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about nixing or at least for for now nixing the new borderlands in favor of the old one if you would have asked me probably two three weeks ago i would have said oh that's dumb we've barely got to know this borderland but then someone pointed out i don't know if it was in guild or if it was a youtube video or reddit that you know in these new borderlands they're so big we never have these epic you know 30 versus 30 fights because those those zergs just don't collide they don't see each other the maps are too big to find anybody 
And even though they're really cool, they have some cool um, innovations. I like the uh, the the wind shrine that makes it so you can't um, take damage if you control all three and stuff like that. Um, what World v. World was in Alpine Borderlands was something more than I think these maps can be. So it's a shame to see them go, but I'm in the end, I'm glad that we'll be back going back to the Alpine Borderlands. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder how much of that is because of the general lack of love that World v. World has gotten, <laughs> that a lot fewer people are playing it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, which causes it to feel underpopulated. Um, oh, but the maps are huge compared to the Borderlands maps. The, oh, I mean, they, the, the they absolutely are. Lens. Yeah, they absolutely are. Um, yeah. I, on the one hand, uh, I'm glad that they're listening to what it seems like Worldview World players want. I'm not a Worldview Worlder, so I don't really have an informed opinion. On the other hand, it's kind of yet another system that they spent a lot of work on that they're dropping. So this is true. We'll see. Um, <laughs> like I said, I don't, uh, I don't have the experience or the expertise to really make a comment on, you know, whether whether that's good or not. But um, I really hope that their quote, you know, worldy world fix, whatever it's going to be, is mm-hmm. good and forthcoming soon. Yeah, I do have to, uh, just from my experience on both Borderlands, I have to say I really enjoyed the small group experience a lot more on the Desert Borderlands. Um, and, but yeah, at the same time, I sort of missed the, the big fights as well, because I just haven't seen them at all since Border- Desert Borderlands has come out. Not that I've played well, a lot of World v. World, but... If you're on NSP, um, if you just play in the night sometime, you can get that small group experience anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, it's been a real long time. Even playing an EV a little bit. I mean, I've been playing a bit more World v. World lately. Um, I haven't had those big sort of three-way fights. I haven't seen a three-way fight in a long time. Yeah, I haven't either. But those are fun. Yeah. They usually happen at the Southwest Keep in a Borderland. That's where I've seen, I think, every... So that kind of illustrates, I think, the smaller Borderland being more conducive to the big team fights. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um... Is there anything else you want to talk about? I, I by I'm the good. way, for, for what it's worth, out. my voice is going. Uh, I was going to say, for what it's worth, I am totally fine with doing a trader arcade because a, it's fresh in our minds, and b, we haven't been playing for a while. So, or I mean, uh, podcasting for a while. So we have been playing. We haven't been podcasting for a while. <laughs> so I don't particularly have a problem with a slightly longer episode if you know. Okay. You are interested. Well, I have been playing a lot of Black Desert Online lately. And I like to do when I, I mean, I don't want the show to become, you know, like the talk not about Guild other Wars MMOs. 2, Guild Wars 2 show. Yeah. Hey, but if they keep cutting systems out, that's what they get. <laughs> uh, well, to address that before you launch into that, I think it's totally fine because we're not going to be talking about it a ton. But Trader Arcade was a, I think, much beloved segment that used to be frequently featured on this show. And, um,. A lot of the time, you and I have been feeling like there's really not a lot to talk about in Guild Wars 2 when it's not directly around a patch, so um, I am totally fine with bringing it back as a thing, even if it's not all the time. I don't, uh, I feel, I, I don't feel bad about talking about other things as long as we still mostly talk about Guild Wars 2, so don't, don't feel guilty about that. Okay, well, I've been playing Black Desert Online, um, and I like to- I want to know about the inventory space. Oh god! <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, I like to make comparisons between other MMOs I play and Guild Wars Two, just to sort of see what's out there. Because a lot of us, um, 
it's hard to play multiple MMOs. Uh, yeah. They mm-hmm. are big time sucks, and even though I love them as a hobby, um, you know, we don't always see the whole field. So I like to make some comparisons and just talk about different things that have happened. Uh, Black Desert is a weird game. It is not like anything I have played before. Uh, it is, to quote Christian, a mix of an empire builder, city builder, and single player RPG that just happens to take place in an, in an MMO environment. Um, it is totally open world. It is, uh, has action combat. Um, the, it's so weird. Like, it's crazy. The physics it is, crazy is good fans. in it, though, isn't it? Isn't it good. using, isn't it using, like, some hardcore physics engine or something? I don't know anything about that. I know I can parkour. Uh, it is <laughs> not not quite Assassin's Creed, but definitely the closest thing I've ever come to in an MMO, where you can like run up to a wall, grab it, and hoist yourself over. Do you yeah. ever get the the urge to say parkour as you're doing parkour? And meanwhile, parkour. You know, <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, the the knight with a sword beside you says, "One doesn't say parkour; they do parkour." <laughs> Shows what. If they anyone know. gets that reference, that's Dresden Files, right? There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, dude, this game, uh, my wife, my wife and I both started playing it also because, um, we were sort of just looking for something to kill time and spirit had talked about it. So she, you know, we got a, we got a stamp of approval, uh, to at least check it out. And my wife, uh, put it quite aptly when she said that this gives us a lot more appreciation for what complete MMO noobs have to have felt about guild wars 2 when we were like how did i oh, have so much yeah. trouble with it because I got this new game experience so hard <laughs> i feel so old playing this game i'm like <laughs> i don't look at all these menus and buttons and like what yeah i mean some of the things they did made sense to me to like ob- obscure it until later levels like the contribution point system that is crazy pants bonkers and it's not like any other MMO. But other things like the mini-map, you don't get to level 7. And I was like, I can't find anyone because I don't have a mini-map. Uh, things like that were weird. And uh, they very definitely have a new player experience. And I you know, I can't, uh, having not been a veteran Black Desert player, can't uh, describe the differences between Guild Wars 2s and Black Deserts. But holy crap, did I appreciate it as a new player. Well, you know, this makes me think of something I kind of was thinking about new player experience in Guild Wars 2, because, you know, that was great that they did it all. But, you know, now that we've got Gliding and Heart of Thorns, shouldn't they, like, update it and, you know, let people know? Because how many times do I see in map chat? How many times do you guys see in map chat? Like, how is this guy gliding? What's going on? I've literally never seen that. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> then it's just me. I, I pretty much only play in hot maps, though, at which point, Uh-oh. you know, people already know. Um that I'm not trying to say that it doesn't happen. I just uh, but I just kind of think. Is... I guess what I'm trying to get at is I think the new player experience in Guild Wars 2 needs to be updated. And as much you know of a big deal as it was when they did it and how they you know heralded it out, I think they need to update it to at least inform people that yes, gliding is something in hot. Would you like to purchase hot? And da da da. Anyway, that's mm, my. Grade. I think yeah. I think that's. I don't think they'll ever update it. I, mean, I don't know if they even should. I think it's a. I think that's exactly, you know, working as intended, where they people see others gliding around, and they're like, that's cool, I want to do that, how do I do that? And I mean, I'm feeling the same way in Black Desert, like, seeing people, like, 
go down the river in a fishing boat or, you know, pull a giant wagon by and I'm like, I want a wagon. I want to, I don't even want to like transport goods. I just want a wagon because it looks cool. <laughs> so like, I'm going to go out of my way to get a wagon because I want to ride my horses around with the wagon and make money off of it. This, I mean, this game is so crazy. I, I showed it to a different friend of mine and he said, I am way too busy to play that game. And this is yep. the type of game I want when I'm retired, like, because there's so much to do. It's, it's, it's astonishing. Yeah. Um, it's really good. So Black Desert, as opposed to Guild Wars 2, is really good for role players, I would say. Oh my And the God, kind yeah. of players that enjoy doing non-combat things. And I mean, that's not to say that it's not good for the people who like doing combat things. Um, I think it's okay for them. I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily the best, but I'm also not to end games, so I can't, you know, give my full impressions on that. I'm not totally geared up yet or anything. Um, but the sort of range of things you can actually do in the game is massive. Like you, you can go fishing. You can train horses. You can breed horses. The, yeah, you can tame horses in the wild with lassos and sugar cubes. Um, hook them to wagons. Transport them between cities. Um, there's fishing boats. When you're out in the world, you see all the workers of different... So, like, the crafting system, right, is that you you buy these nodes. Like, I don't even know where to start with this. So, questing doesn't give combat experience, right? Like, in, in, in any MMO, there's a big number, and that is your level, right? In Black Desert, there are sort of three kinds of experience, one of which is contribution experience. Contribution experience is the main experience you get from questing. So by building up your contribution points, you build this sort of pool of points that you can then invest in different nodes. You have all the cities automatically, but then you can connect them, right? So like, say I'm traveling from city to city. Um, I go out and I run to the nearest farm and I invest a, node, a point in that farm. Now I get increased drop rates in the area and I have the option to invest another point to farm it. Once I'm invested that point to farm it, I can hire a worker in the city, send that worker out to the farm to gather whatever it is. Potatoes is a really common one. Um, and then that worker takes it right back to my storage in the city. And then once you have those sort of materials, you have to process them down through different things like drying or tanning or whatever it is. Um, things like drying can only be done when it's sunny out. You can't do it at night or if it's raining. Um, just like crazy crazy things like it is crazy detail and you, like you can see everybody else's npcs did you say that like that blows yeah my mind. yeah when you're out um walking around you see other people's workers walking to the farms to like do their mining and that's sort wow. of what populates the roads yeah that and that their caravans sort of, of like carts and stuff like because you can buy carts and build boats and like have yeah. that to transport your resources. But I'm guessing and... you can't be a jerk and like wage war or killing other I, people's NPCs. I was just about to ask you this, Spirit. At high level, can you attack other people's workers in the PvP areas? I don't know. I don't think you can attack NPCs. You can definitely play or kill other players, but that's like a whole other system that I can get into. Well, because it seems like, isn't there sort of like guild on guild warfare? Like that would be perfect for a high level area that has a hotly contested resource and then having it be like PvPable with the NPCs and you have to like defend caravans. I have no idea, but that seems yeah, like it'd be I right up the alley. I don't know yet. I'm really not to end game and like as I was getting to mid game, they were like, 
by the way, we're dropping an expansion tomorrow, and then a whole new expansion came out, and I know nothing about Endgame anymore. <laughs> I was, like, reading up on it and getting close, and now I know nothing. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. The comp- Well, okay, so speaking from the combat, have you played a melee character yet, Spirit? Like, um, much? I've played a Valkyrie and a Tamer both to 30-ish. Yeah, because you were saying that you don't know if, like, the combat is really as you know as appealing as the non-combat stuff for non-combat people is appealing but Mm -hmm. for me i think the combat's really cool like it really feels like in a lot of ways like a fighting game i was watching some yeah for better or for worse like i don't uh... don't know if that appeals to me so much but it's definitely very fighting like it's super combo based and if you like fighting games it's probably right up your alley i heard it was a lot like vindictus have you played vindictus i Mm -hmm. have not but i've seen videos of it I don't know. I would imagine probably. Um, yeah, I think watching... this was kind of like it resembled a 3D Street Fighter where it had the combos. Maybe not the combos, but the inputs where it would allow you to do certain things, um, certain moves and execute different. Um... Yeah, there's a lot of that. And like I, I know that a lot of action combat MMOs, so to speak, have that kind of a system. But so many of them, in my experience... Um, have that kind of a system, but using the hotbar. Whereas this game, I was watching a high-level PvP tutorial for um, Berserker, which is basically what I like to call the Donkey Kong class. <laughs> and like they were talking about it, and they're like, so the main mobility skills that you're going to want to do are shift A into W left click into shift wd and that's this move into this move into this move and then you're going to follow it up with one of these three combo moves because they're cc's this one's a grab which you then chain into a like into a ground smash and then from there you can choose whether or not you want to do dps with this this and this input or like if you want to try and chain the grabs into each other and you're going to be walking the line between cc chains and damage while they're cc'd and not going too far and i'm just like i feel too old to play this game like i don't (laughs) i don't know that my brain can process that many different inputs anymore in a not traditional game that i have the muscle memory for um but it feels really good when you're like playing a warrior and you have actual hitboxes that you know like you can actually block when the guy is coming in and you can get out of the way like not just mm-hmm. have an invincibility dodge roll frame um yeah you know guild wars ruined me for that i was playing i was used to the invincibility dodge roll frame and then i played lords of shadow where you could like i was dodging into sledgehammers and things and then just crushing my own head and it was terrible <laughs> yeah um it's it's incredible however all this having been said um Guild Wars 2 has spoiled us, I think, in so many quality of life ways that mm-hmm. I I think, and I think we even talked about this before, but there are so many things that I think people are going to take cues from Guild Wars 2 that they did with resource and loot management and inventory management and like group experience like the fact that you get more experience when you're near your party members in black desert is like a really interesting concept um like you just get increased experience for having party members near you um those types of things i think are great and black desert is from an era where those have not propagated yet for the most part so a lot of those systems that we've grown very accustomed to like our inventory management is so painful (laughs) 
like it hurts so yeah bad. it's to some degree it's sort of hard to compare like i i played terra pretty extensively for a while and i decided so i like to compare that to guild wars 2 because they're decently similar games that came out around the same time but black desert is so hard to like uh, in some ways, I don't mind the inventory system in Black Desert because it's just a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in and some that's... ways, I'm like, oh my god, this is the worst. Well, because in some ways, it sort of reinforces what they're trying to do, which is to say that every, you know, sort of have an Eve-like sandbox system where every conceivable thing is in some way related to a player either yourself physically doing something or paying another player to do it for you and mm-hmm. so some of those limits although they are annoying it's also very clear that the intent is that you're not supposed to be able to have all the things and that gives people value in doing menial and mundane tasks like transporting carrots and potatoes yeah. like for example you need to feed your animals both your pets and your mounts or they will starve and also, every time you eat food, it in, like goes to a separate, separate experience bar, air quote, that increases your maximum hit points. So food matters. Like, uh, it, and stuff like, expires and, too, doesn't it? Like when you go fishing, you got to use those fish before they go bad. Yeah. So when you go fishing, um, your fish are considered trade goods. Uh, and that's a, like, I don't even want to get into that system because it's, it's a whole different thing, but essentially <laughs> if animal. you can, you know, by doing your, your contribution points and building a trade network, if you connect to the place where you received the goods to a city or a place where you want to sell the goods, um, you can get bonuses for transporting them for a distance or selling them to a city that wants a particular item. So... Um, I fish on the north coast, and then I transport it down my trade route uh, to a different city that wants them, and I sell them for more there, and I get the distance bonus and um, the sort of node connection bonus. So I make about 150% on my fish usually. Um, The thing is, fish have a freshness, so if you don't sell them within two hours of catching them, the price guarantee starts going down, and you'll make less and less money for selling them. And if you don't do anything with them in 24 hours, they are pretty much worthless. Uh, So you have the choice of selling them quickly or drying them to preserve them. And then at the point you dry them, they're pretty much worthless. But they can also be used in crafting recipes at that point. This game is crazy detailed, you guys. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Um, It's buy to play, which is a huge plus. Yeah, actually, I wanted to talk about that totally because I it's it has all these things. They're interesting systems to learn. Um, I'm enjoying it from that aspect. They are sort of grindy, right? Like, the way to level horses is just to ride them around. And while I can set myself to autopath and just ride my horse to one end and then, you know, set myself back and ride my horse to the other end if I want to level it, um, I don't find that compelling gameplay. And if you want to play specifically, like, if um, group PvE content is your thing, this is not the MMO for you. I would say right now. Um, Endgame is highly PvP-based. There are player kills. There are no dedicated PvE or PvP servers. You can't opt out of it. Um, There is a punishment system. Like, if you're not flagged for PvP and you get killed, um, the person who kills you gets punished. Um, I don't really want to go into that because we're talking about buy-to-play. But the... There are enough interesting systems and the exploration... I really need to talk about exploration because that's great. um, Is 
wonderful. And I will be revisiting this MMO regularly. But it is also something that I will not play regularly. And so I'm really glad that it's buy to play so that I can have the option just to bop back in whenever there's new stuff. Yeah, my wife said that she's like, we're both completely overwhelmed and super low level still. We just have been playing for a week off and on. And her her words were, I think this will be a game that I log on maybe twice a week and farm some food and sit in my little house. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yep, that's that's about like, there's so much to do. And it's like, I can't, I can't let this become a real commitment. But the fact that it's buy to play is so much easier to opt into like a find some little niche and then just do it if it's fun for you. And then that mm -hmm. that's it. So continue. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about the exploration system because that I think is really, really good. And far outshines Guild Wars 2's uh, exploration system. Um, so essentially, you go around the world and explore places and talk to people um, and talk to people in specific ways, and doing all of that acquires you knowledge. Um, knowledge sort of ups your energy pool, which can be used for little, like, crafting and processing and things, but the essentially... Um, it all forms into a giant compendium of everything, of lore, of all kinds of stuff about the games. And it's a very comprehensive, um, I don't want to say guide, I'm trying to think of a word for it. There is a codex. word, but I can't think. Yeah, a codex, basically, of the game, uh, which you uncover by exploring, um, talking to people, uh, you know, like performing specific tasks for people, uh, gathering, processing, like you gain knowledge about things the first time you do anything. And so I've got, um, my character's got a lot of knowledge about drying fish because I catch all the fish and forget to sell it in time. And I have a lot of dried knowledge, uh, dried fish knowledge. Um, I've got a decent amount of knowledge about the world because I like to explore. I don't have any knowledge about uh, alchemy because I haven't done any of it yet. And it's not just um, items or places, but it's also history and politics and all kinds of crazy stuff. And by, you know, exploring these little stories with the NPCs in sort of a like a Skyrim-like fashion, uh, where it pulls up a screen, you talk to this NPC, there, there are games you can play with them to get more knowledge or more items from them uh, based on the knowledge that you already have. Like, say, you go into town and you want to talk to this priest, but he's not really he doesn't really want to talk to you yet but you know um from the screen that he's interested in the stable masters in the area so if you've talked to all the stable masters in the area you can then tell him uh you know start a conversation with him about the different stable masters and it pulls up this little mini game where you, you can plug in uh the pictures of the stable masters you've talked to and if you do that enough he'll become more friendly with you and offer you more knowledge or more items or whatever it is crazy detailed and freeform and i love it yeah it's, it's pretty crazy so how does the expansion work if it's about to play then you have two it's free it two pieces just dropped oh wow it just got inserted in the open world and you can run there right now if you want to interesting yeah. it's pretty crazy yeah uh so black desert is a korean i think game yep i'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's been out for three years there, I think. It's been out for a couple of years at least. And the American version sort of has 30% of the available playable area, I think. It's ridiculous. Like, it's already a huge playable area, chock full of stuff. And I 
can't even really fathom the other areas, to be honest. It is, it's crazy big. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know what else is crazy? Because I don't, I don't want to, like, there are so many cool things about the game, but it's also, uh, yeah, it is really different from Guild Wars 2. Uh, but you know what else is crazy? The prices on the cash shop. Um, there is a die system. It's pretty robust. But the only way you can reliably get die, there's a few from achievements and sort of things. The only way you can reliably get die is off the trading put or the off the gem store, cash shop, whatever. I forget what it's called. Pearl store, I think, is is their thing. Yeah, they're pearls. Um, you can buy random dies for basically fifty cents a piece. I think Christian said you had to get a ten pack. I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but like. That's the only way to get dyes. Or you can choose a specific subset. Like you can choose a random orange dye or random blue dye or whatever. Uh, and then you can, yeah, there's a system for mixing them or whatever. But you basically have to pay real money to dye your gear, uh, which is not that diverse. Like there's really not, it is not a Fashion Wars game. And it's not to say that the armor looks bad or anything or they're like you're you're not running around in metal bikinis or Anything really like that. Although leggings are a problem, dear God, the leggings. Um, it's just not the customization you pay crazy amounts for. Crazy is really the word we're going to associate with Black Desert because crazy. everything is crazy. Yep. Um, a they have costumes and outfits, and you know I'm not entirely sure which is like what the difference between them is. Um, but. They will run you roughly $27 US for a full outfit. Like what we could would consider an outfit in Guild Wars 2. Hmm. Yeah. Um, they also have play benefits. So this is where people get into the argument about whether Black Desert is pay to win or not. Because there's a outfit that basically stealths you from other players. And I think that's the only outfit or costume whatever no there's two of them now there's a fishing one as well um but it makes you into like when you're crouching i think it makes you into a grass beetle which is a normal like we wouldn't even give it a second look it'd be like seeing a, a jungle boar in black desert we wouldn't even look at it um and so you can use that to either hide from pvp players who want to gank you or to sneak up and gank people uh there is a counter to it which is also bought on the gem shop but it is not currently available in north america and so <laughs> uh people with these beetle costumes are sort of running rampant and it's a little bit ridiculous i like i said i haven't gotten to the level where i've hit open pvp yet so i don't really have any experiences or thoughts personally about it but it is definitely a hot topic interesting uh, so there, yeah so there's definitely sort of a it's not just cosmetics in black desert there there are um, aspects to the different things you wear. I kind of want to start up a guild called the Beetle Brigade and, you know, <laughs> gank people or anti-gank, whatever you do. Yeah. Oh. I think that's all I have to say about Black Desert without without going super crazy. It, it just crazy is definitely the word for Black Desert uh, in sort of all senses of the word. Yeah, It is crazy yeah there really isn't another word yeah it's it's pretty nuts so anyway i think that about wraps it up uh you guys have anything else you wanted to say or time to pull the plug on this i on think this i'm beast? good i think my brain has has now overloaded yep me too Alrighty. well thank you for listening to this fairly long podcast we 
should be back in a week, I would say. And then, I don't know, uh, Dark Souls 3 is coming out pretty soon, and I am going to play it a lot and get really mad at myself and the game. So... <laughs> There may be a week there where a podcast doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.